Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 3, Anatomy Park. Here's Aaron with the recap. In this Christmas-themed episode of Rick and Morty, Jerry decides he wants to have a human holiday and bans the family's use of electronic devices while his parents come over for a visit. But he soon regrets this when his parents bring over their new lover, whose wholesome but kinky approach to love and honesty makes them uncomfortable. Meanwhile, Rick pretends to be caring for an elderly homeless man's health care while secretly working with a microscopic scientist to open Anatomy Park, the world's first theme park built entirely inside the innards of a person. Things go wrong, Morty is forced to shrink and enter the theme park to try to save the man's life, and Rick's hopes to be the next Walt Disney. Well, Jim, what'd you think of Anatomy Park? Uh, I like this one. It's clearly a Jurassic Park. Uh, It's got Jurassic Park written all over it. I'm a huge fan of Jurassic Park. Among other things, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I found that they were doing actually the most interesting stuff uh, in this episode with the family. Okay. Away from sort of the A-plot. Yeah. Uh, I thought Jerry's struggle to come to terms with his parents' relationship with Jacob was the most interesting part. Uh, I am a big sucker for Christmas themed episodes. I wish every, all of my favorite shows did like some kind of Christmas episode or version because it just makes me happy. But I thought uh, John Oliver was a great Mm -hmm. guest voice as this twerpy kind of microscopic version of John Hammond from Jurassic Park down to the little bone cane he's got with whatever the hell is in the microscopic amber he had. (laughs) I loved his delight at the small intestine, small world with, uh, like, you know, the people like, oh, this goes on for miles. He's like, and then the large intestine. Right. Um, I thought there's a lot of, like... So you're right, the heavy dramatic lifting's being done by the human holiday part, but the, the the anatomy part is just what this show does so well, which is put a bunch of pop culture references into a blender, hit puree, somehow pay, like, like, like there are things that pay proper respect to the things that it's trying to lampoon, but also do it in a funny kind of engaging manner that never, like, really... Man, how am I trying to say this? It it never the parody never gets so bold that like it feels like cheap or lazy, and it somehow manages to tell an interesting and kind of exciting story of its own right. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, and also I think the animation of this episode is particularly brilliant. Like when the the I think it's gonorrhea that's about to get hit by the bone train. Like the way the shadows light on its face as it approaches is almost like something out of Batman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like some of the touches, like the lazy river with the red blood cells as inner tubes. Uh, and then the sight gag of like uh, the giant Santa Claus floating over America oh, and the shadow of its penis and uh-huh. the, the destruction it's causing to the Rocky mountains as it's, as it's hinted to be dragging on the ground and menacing this logger. What a fucking demented idea that you've got this massive, like continent spanning man that you then explode and it's dressed as a Mm -hmm. naked Santa Claus and it's raining gore down all of of North America. Then they do a lot of like the, you know, standard like setup and subversion of like, you know, John Oliver does the standard uh, oblivious bad guy thing of wanting to, have someone else make the heroic sacrifice and kind yep. of like trails off. He's like, Oh, you know what? It was even, it was a dick movie for me to pause there. It's just all obviously my fault. And mm-hmm. 
then they subvert it again when it turns out he's just he was just too panicky and stupid to realize there was an autopilot the whole time and I think well, after watching many episodes of Rick and Morty uh-huh. that pandering works. <laughs> yeah. And there's a good... and, and they don't they don't you're right they don't totally go in on it but I imagine when you're sitting in that writer writer's room and you're thinking okay this is so obviously clearly Jurassic Park mm-hmm. are people going to hate that? Are people going to say oh it's too close to Jurassic Park yeah. it's per- it's so obvious what you did there hack Right, are Hack. we hacks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you could probably get so in your own head about that stuff. Uh-huh. And I imagine they do. I think that's part of it. Like, they start kind of, like, with that blueprint, and then they just kind of layer on the references and keep blending until, like, it, it meets their standard of, like, oh, yes, we can, without shame, roll this out. And it's not just yeah. a ripoff of Jurassic Park, or it's not just a ripoff of Inner Space or Fantastic Voyage. They... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where the, 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 the sweat equity in the writer's room, I guess, pays off because, uh, yeah, it does work for me. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like, come away thinking, oh, these hack writers. I, I come usually away thinking, don't that was like great. being pandered to. Yeah. And I think that's the fine line. It's like, you know, a way to like hit everyone's kind of Gen X, uh, early millennial nostalgia about all of these, like all of our favorite movies. But, you know, anybody could just, you know, do the Chris Farley. Remember when, yeah. John McClane Clark crawled through the air ducts. Like, sometimes in episodes like this, it's so hard not to do that on this podcast. Right. Because there are so many moments I right. love, and I just want to say, wasn't it funny when? Yeah. But Rick and Morty, Stranger Things is another one that does that, like pandering, oh, yeah. but elevated, so it doesn't insult your intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's uh, super effective, but not everyone can do it to a way that like doesn't like you know force you to just like you know turn off your brain. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm itching to talk about it. They always have these B plots, right? Yeah. So to kind of accompany the 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 sort of mashup, cultural mashup that they do, they have these B plots, which I think deal with more real issues mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Yeah. And this is this is something that Jerry is having a very hard time dealing with. Well, parents across the the globe, uh, you yeah, know, dismayed that instead of having family time, we are all glued to our screens. What do you do about it? Can you put your foot down on on the day <laughs> that celebrates humanity, or as Morty snarkily responds, "I thought it was a holiday about a half god man," you know? Uh, yeah, but but it it seems so much more. This this episode in the B plot seems like it's about connections with people and how those connections are both expressed and also how they're judged. So, like, you have Summer on her phone, and that really annoys the shit out of Jerry because he wants to have this very specific connection with his family. And then when he gets that connection, it's something that he doesn't that doesn't quite fit within his view of how this connection should go. Right. And so it turns him off. And then we realize that Summer's connection was actually on her phone to her boyfriend. Right. And that's like, then that connection is broken by Jerry's connection. And it's just like real interesting puzzle of like how people relate to each other and the different forms that that takes. And I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And the fact that like, you know, if Jerry was as, is as connected with his family as you would expect a guy like him to want to be that it wouldn't be a surprise that summer has a boyfriend that might be concerned if she goes no contact on Christmas. Yeah. And, um, the, also the idea that like connecting to his parents took him to uncomfortable places and right. you know why was he uncomfortable with that what his adult parents are are doing and the fact that like you know his father has this medical scare and you know his his mom and him are like you know have we even really lived their lives and then this jacob guy comes in and 
I mean, it, it does like – that's the funny thing is like it pushes like nobody. Like is there a person in the world that has the fantasy of your geriatric uh, <laughs> wife getting with a younger <laughs> man while you hide in the closet yes. and wear a Superman costume? A- absolutely that exists. I don't know any people like that, but right. it certainly exists. But it's kind of like, you know, if your parents came and said, hey, we're swingers, mm-hmm. that would be one level of uncomfortable to some people. But then, oh, like, yeah. we're swingers and here's our lover. Oh, actually, your mother and him are the swingers. I'm just a weird voyeur guy. And also, I dress up as this wholesome, you know, superhuman Boy Scout. Like, no, it's, it's a weird fan- mix. Also, but what is, like, the fantasy there? Uh, that's a real good question. Maybe that's the thing that makes it okay for him that he's Superman. Like, you know, any time he could put a stop to this and he's omnipotent, he's, but you know, he's into it, but that like gives him like the, the, the self-confidence to be okay with losing the control of the sexual escapades there Hmm. that he's Superman. So, Hey, if Jimmy fucks Lois Lane, it's cool. I'm still Superman. (laughs) Still Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's that's a twisted complex. Maybe he needs to find right his Lex there. Luthor. The other thing is that everybody else is like sees this as like, oh, you know, these uh uh these elders have found love late in life and it's very sweet and mm-hmm. it's like they're finding it very personally fulfilling and it's very brave, all the things that they're doing and yeah. Jerry's like, But this isn't a this isn't my normal I wanted a Norman Rockwell Christmas and what I'm getting is a very wholesome uh, very pos- sex positive, but certainly mm-hmm. not you know Norman Rockwell type Christmas. Not conventional, no. Right, but he's getting the the, the real connection he wanted, and he's like, oh, actually, I wish uh, uh, maybe everybody had come and just buried her face in Facebook. Yeah, no, he he leaves the room when he they get to the real stuff. Uh, yeah, he seems very controlling in this episode. Um, like he wants it, he wants this very specific definition of what he's got. But I, the thing I found. A little strange is maybe is that at the end of this episode, when it's raining blood, mm-hmm. the family's first instinct is to run to Jerry, mm. who tells them that everything is okay because mm. the newsman says, "Yeah, right." Like it's a strange thing that in a crisis they turn to Jerry, and I don't know if that's true if Rick's in the room, hmm. but they did, de- they definitely go to him. Did they run to Jerry or were they checking on Jerry? Because like I wonder, like. Uh, I right. felt like I had the impression that it's like Beth sees this Armageddon happening outside and is like, oh, Jesus, what's, you know, what's going on to Jerry because he... He can't fend for himself. Right. You, you got to get him. Uh, and, and the more we get, you know, the more we get exposed to him, the more like kind of pathetic he seems and kind of mm-hmm. oblivious. Like last ep- wasn't it last episode where, uh, oh, yeah, because Beth comes in and sarcastically looks at what's going on with snuff- Snuffles and is like, oh, yeah, no way this could go wrong. And he's like, that's what you said on the day of our wedding, like <laughs> right. without any kind of hint of irony or uh-huh. like just he just self self owned himself and scored an own goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing is like this this show does get away with a lot of stuff that I think other shows wouldn't and and I'm, I'm constantly amazed that like they have this whole thing that comes out of nowhere where you know Ethan is angry. Why is he angry? Because his brother molested him, uh, and it's like that's not particularly something that you can get away with joking. But I realized as I was watching this, mm-hmm. is like 
it's not really a joke. Like the way in universe, as this is happening, Jacob is being very caring and he's saying what like any like qualified therapist would be. Yeah. Like he didn't, what your brother did to you, didn't define you or make you into something. You're your own guy. And that's, you, you know, and you've got summer and you know, the answer is more human connection. So it's, it's only funny because we're not used to seeing this kind of honesty and this kind of like yeah. relational truth in this kind of juxtaposition of a happy holiday. But it's not like, ha ha, Ethan got molested or ha ha, look at how fucking up his ass Jacob is with his advice. It's just, it's just a <laughs> weird scenario that some actual wisdom and love is being dispensed through. Yeah. I, I think there is honestly a little bit of comedy in uh, being uncomfortable. And that's sort of what that plays on at the beginning when they start mm-hmm. to reveal it, right? It's like yeah. the, the talk about the bush, and then you're like, oh, that was right. – I guess that's funny because uh, I don't know what to do but laugh. Right. Uh, but, yeah, then it turns into something else. Yeah. Um, so Anatomy Park, you know, that's, that's – like you said, this is the Chris Farley. Like, imagine uh, how, how funny this all is. But uh, there's yeah. a couple of things I thought was really – Interesting, like uh, how protective that Rick was of Pirates of the Pancreas mm-hmm. and, you know, how uh, hyper vigilant he is about people uh, attacking that idea, even when they're not like Morty just literally is just rattling like things that he's seeing off. But he does have like a Pirates of the Pancreas. Mm-hmm. And then they brilliantly pay that off with the, the stinger at the end where Rick is with Annie you know, getting a, a, a progress a call in the new anatomy park and, you know, the investors have some notes for like, you know, does a, does a pancreas make pirates? No, it, it makes insulin. And Rick uh, is angry that they're, they're, uh, turning his idea into a monument of mediocrity. Um, yeah, it's a great line. Monument to compromise is what they're building. It's yeah. It's real good. And that's certainly, I feel like that's like some shared frustration from all the creative types on the show that's dealt with like, you know, network notes. And, oh, yeah. You know, they're like doing a very specific, you know, nuanced skewering of pop culture. And like, you just have some idiot executive that doesn't get it. Sure. Um, but, I, th- I think my favorite moment of that whole plot line is when uh, Ruben's about to die. Mm-hmm. And he's taking like his last breath and the, Morty's holding on to this guy's hand saying, I'm not going to let you go. And then mm-hmm. he does. And he coughs, this, he sneezes this dead body right into Rick's face. This so, cause so have you seen uh, the, the inner space movie? It was like this late I, 80s. The Martin Short one. Uh, in, 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 with Dennis. Uh, Qu- yeah. Yeah. Not, is it Quaid? Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Quaid where there's a scene where the bad guy gets knocked into the stomach acid and then. Like you see his like skeleton bob up, and then on the outside is it Martin Short that's got his, his injected? He like belches. I, I think so. I it's been a long Which time. It's like he digested the bad guy, and you see his skeleton, yeah. and then he. I thought that was a nice homage to that because you got this over the top death scene, and mm-hmm. then it ends up just like you know just getting you know it it, it uh, sneezes on Rick and he wipes it off. He wipes the remains of this person off, but also <laughs> right. this. The just the, the way they animated that, where it's like he just got peeled off in layers mm. from this this coughing, I thought was uh, super funny. And then, yeah. you know, you had the Poncho character, which is kind of like you know your stereotypical henchman, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also a little bit of Dennis Nedry, where it's like yeah. he causes all this death and destruction because he didn't get paid what he thought he should get paid to program this, yeah. you know? So this guy is like turning on and like, he's got, it's like, I'll sell 
these diseases to the highest bidder, Al-Qaeda, North Korea, Republicans, people on the internet who can only be sexually aroused by Japanese cartoon teenagers. But his his litany of, of complaints against this John Hammond type is like, you pompous, arrogant, iTunes gift card giving <laughs> right. as a holiday bonus fool. Like, the it's very much like Dennis Nedry. It's like the your uh, grievance with this person and your action against is out of the proportion to the to the grievance. I mean, he's got a valid complaint. iTunes gift cards, come on. Yeah, cash. If yeah. you if you're just going to give monetary value, give it in cash. Yeah, especially if you got if, if a security personnel who's like uh, tasked to, to die in your defense. Like, yeah, you definitely want to bu- make sure their their bread is buttered. Also, is is a guy with earbuds in listening to fucking podcasts or or Miley Cyrus' latest album really the person you want guarding your theme park? That's true. That's you true. don't want him listening to music on the job. You want both ears free and listening for hepatitis C. <laughs> right. Uh, which I also, that's the other thing, is like there's a little bit of, um, you know, when the T-Rex comes in at the end of Jurassic Park and chomps the Velociraptors, Velociraptors and Velociraptors. That's a great out rap name. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for it. That'll probably be in the season four soundtrack. Uh, but, you know, the, he comes in and they play this heroic music as if the T-Rex is the savior of the humans. Mm-hmm. And I love how they just embrace that. It's like, wait, did we did, did we have some kind of, like, emotional bond with this? Like, no, nah, I just think they're like that. They're just good guys. Like, the T-Rexes in, throughout Jurassic Park end up being kind of the heroic figures. Yeah, when you get to the later movies especially. Yeah. Like, Jurassic World stuff. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like when the like isn't like the Spinosaurus in Jurassic Three kills one of the T Rexes, but then the T Rex at the end is able to like they gang up on it or something. Did, did, I think there's so. There's a theme yeah. of the T Rexes being the unsung here, kind of a, almost a Godzilla figure, where yeah. Godzilla doesn't maybe care either way. Sometimes he destroys Tokyo, but also when a bigger threat from outer space, he's he's an asshole monster, but he's Earth's asshole monster. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other things like uh, Rick opens his car when he lands in the old guy's, the homeless guy's nipple, and his it's his car once again just spills out alcohol bottles. Right. Um, there's the whole like, hey, I I I uh, I saved you, Morty. You know, and he says like he says uh, puffy vagina, and Morty's like what? <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that's that's another one of those things where it's it's funny, but it's also real because like you know people. Uh, online, like, they're so massively insecure. If you, like, go to Reddit r slash sex, it's like half the threads are guys worrying about how big or small their dick is or whether it's cut or uncut and women that have, like, external visible genitalia. And it's like, Jesus. And, well, like, and okay, I love okay, Morty's, well, like... Get off Reddit and go to, like, DeviantArt or Tumblr or... Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll fit right in. Yeah. Like, there, there's someone for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I love Morty's, like, Puffy, what, why is that a bad thing? Is that a yeah. bad thing? Like, that's shit everybody's reaction, It doesn't you know? seem like a bad thing to me either, Morty. Yeah, like, if people start, like, having, like, real strong opinions about that shit, I just assume that they don't have sex, you know? Because what the fuck? No interdimensional travel this episode. As as far as I remember, you're right. None whatsoever. There's there's uh, you, you, they 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 bridge gulfs of of scale, mm-hmm. but not distance or time. And it does feel like the the, the last three episodes they've been playing with all of that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Time, dimensions, uh, scale, like you said. They're kind of going through all of the sci-fi staples, sure. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and that's one the you know why I like Rick and Morty feels like it has a lot of legs is because yeah, 
it's a it's a it's such a brilliant concept because it's a framework in which you can literally do anything that you want to do. Like there's nothing like you want to do a straight up spoof of some 80s action movie, you can find a way to fit that in. If you want to go super high concept science fiction, you can do that. You can tell serious stories of love and loss and you can then make it a joke and then make it serious at the end again. It's <laughs> uh it's uh, it's great. It's a road of wonder, a trail of food. It's a All right, Jim, are you ready to do a little segment we like to call Plot to the Future? I am. Where we set our portal guns to open dimension BM-77 and take a look at behind-the-scenes details, uh, uh, references, and Easter eggs, and future plot spoilers as they may be. Um, So I listened to this commentary, and it seems like that the one thing that they knew they wanted to get to was this giant Santa Claus exploding in the atmosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. And they, like, you know, really struggled. Like, what we were talking about, about, like, how how do you pander without pandering? And they, like, you know, first had, like, this was going to be a fantastic voyage and inner space ma- mashup. And then they're like, you know what? You know, maybe we should go, like, Willy Wonka. Because I, I think what yeah. they're trying to do is find the right, like, what is the relationship of this uh, doctor? Was it is, is Dr. Bloom yeah. or Zeon? Yeah. Um and like I, they, they also mentioned Apocalypse. Now I could see that where like Morty sent mm-hmm. in to find, the, you know, the Colonel Colonel Zeon Bloom, and he's gone slightly mad. But the you know the framing of Jurassic Park kind of allows you to do all of that stuff because Jurassic Park is very high concept fantasy. It's also like also a, an amusement park with rides and shit. So they were it's able to also fit, a horror film. In it's some also regards. a horror film, and it's also an action film. Mm-hmm. So I thought. That's a kind of uh, where it's like uh, maybe they just had to go through all those things to get all those different elements, so you know they can they can more effectively the, the pander at that. Also, the, there's the idea that like the core of the story started as like a, a zombie battle, like a zombie a Thanksgiving horror. themed zombie battle. Yeah, yeah, like the human body is like one giant shopping mall, and you've got like this uh, particular. I forget. It seems like there was a race war involved at some point. Yeah, between... like the John Oliver character was like a, maybe a race of dudes, and there was one blue and one green, and uh-huh. uh, you know we're in a, we're in the we're in BM seventy seven, so it won't be a spoiler to say that they they fully explore that idea in the Unity episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that seems like uh, that's the other thing is like if you have a discarded idea that just doesn't fit. Just put Save it in your it. idea box because you never know when it'll be perfect to deploy it in a later episode. Um, Will we get that Thanksgiving themed episode? I hope so because again, I love fucking holiday themed uh, uh, episodes. One of the things that they pointed out and now, ever since I've seen this commentary, I can't unsee it. Is Jerry's Christmas trees yeah. upside down? No, I'm with him. That annoys me. I think that they just it's it's not a art mistake. It's a color mistake. It's like if if they if they went oh, if they red green her. red green instead of green red green red. So it you're saying the be... trees are red, but the space between them is green, and it looks like the trees are upside down. Exactly, exactly. And if they had just colored it, shit, I think you're right. If they had just gone and like it's just like a color mix up. Someone 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 zigged instead of zagged, and no one <laughs> caught it until. Plus, I also think that the first time. 
that Jerry's introduced, he's wearing that apron, yeah. which largely kind of hides the mistake. But then when you take it, so it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, okay. And then once you're like, like once he takes it off, it's still not a big jarring thing. But yeah, the second someone pointed it out, I'm like, holy shit, this is, yeah. That I makes a see. ton of sense. Yeah. That it would just be a color mix up. Uh, the who, other th- who red trees, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, maybe uh, the other way you could, if if I wanted to do a, uh, well, actually, the portal was blue and it turned green. Oh, uh, maybe this is a, a is a foreshadowing to what happens at the end when the world gets covered in blood. Okay, so Red like trees you had everywhere. a for, you had yeah. a forest of green trees, but they they got it covered by the guy's blood. So yeah, foreshadowing. Eh. It's actually smarter <laughs> than you thought. Um, I'm too dumb to get it, I guess. They were also pointing out in the commentary, like, there had a lot of crude sex jokes, especially between ostensibly underage people. Yeah. And uh, Dan mentioned that um, he had a habit of, and, you know, whether how much of this is true and how much of this is a joke and how much of this is a joking exaggeration. But, like, he would a lot of times, like, really do, like, try to push the boundaries of what he could get away with in community on in NBC and just rely on standards and practices to come back and be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You can't have a giant penis dragging across North America, or you can't have this 14 year old, you know, finger banging, uh, like a college co-ed or whatever. And with the uh, adult swim, I guess their standards and practices are looser, perhaps non-existent. And like uh, yeah. when they were watching the finished stuff, they're like, Oh shit, this joke made it through. We thought that somebody would come back and have us tone it down. And, and we never got around to it. But on the other hand, like, I think it's, I feel like that's a kind of two sides of the same coin. Like people are uncomfortable at elder sex and they're, cons- they're uncomfortable about young people's sexuality, but like, sure. Uh, you know, Morty and summer being sexual beings is like, you know, maybe Morty is a little too young, but like, uh, you know, that's, that's like something 14? I think he's supposed to be 14. Then yeah, he's probably right at that age, but I wasn't sure like how old Annie was supposed to be. I, I assumed that she was like a, in, like a teenage intern until at the end when it turns out that she's also a brilliant genetic scientist who could fully yeah. develop a, so like maybe she is in her mid twenties and, you know, so like you've got some uh, definite uh, pedophilia going on there, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I just feel like that it's 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 more of like us being uncomfortable with the idea of young people being sexual as as uncomfortable as we are with old people being sexual. And final reference, uh, apparently the tattoo on Pancho's shoulder of the fist holding the dagger is a reference to Die Antwoord. Yeah. The South African, what would you call them? Rap? Uh, metal. Subversive. Trash. Industrial. I. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah uh, it's good, but it's wild. Yeah. Uh, but it's. Uh, I guess that's uh, the, the, the tattoo that the, the lead, the, the front man of, of that group uh, I, has I, on his shoulder. They call them Ninja. Ninja, I, yeah. I can't not think of Fortnite when I hear the name Ninja now. <laughs> so that kind of ruined it for me. But. What's funny is, like, if you took the, Fort, the Fortnite Ninja and you put him on a decade binge of, like, meth and zero carbon take, <laughs> I think he would kind of look like Ninja. Okay. Uh, and you know what? I don't think Ninja, the, the Iantor Ninja cares because uh, he's got a song uh, called Ugly Boy. It's yeah. about uh, the virtues of loving ugly boys that don't give a fuck. So if you give a fuck about me saying that about you, Ninja, then I think you just disappear in a poof of your own logic. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, 
available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time.